Good morning, Grace Lutheran Church. It is uh, Wednesday, our last midweek Lenten services, and uh, uncertainty is all around us, and uncertainty can bring about anxiety, and boy, am I anxious. <laughs> Managing my job in, a, in the most difficult circumstances I think I can ever recall, worrying about all of you. Our leaders are doing a, a great job in squashing expenses, and overall, everybody seems to be doing fine. All of my children are at home, but they're also underfoot. They claim to be keeping up with all of their studies. Um, Stephanie's bank has merged with another bank from Florida, so there's all kinds of, of unknowns there when you deal with job mergers. All of this leads to a general sense of vague sense of, of anxiety, this sort of underlying current of inadequacy and helplessness. I've heard it called before free-floating anxiety. and I, I fear that it's a little, that the anxiety of our, our culture is a little less free-floating nowadays, and it's sort of settled in deep into our bones, this free-floating anxiety. I often wake up in the morning with my mind racing, and this is sort of during normal life, right? With my mind racing about all the obligations, the essential duties of the day. So sometimes I start my day off with a shower, and sometimes I just grab my notepad and start a list of what I need to get done for the day. But all of us, or maybe most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, have some version of anxiety, especially right now. We, we live inside of ourselves, which now as I say it, it sounds stupid. We, of course, we live inside of ourselves, but we're also sort of overloaded with these self-imposed expectations. And it's, it's no surprise that anxiety is pretty much common to everybody. And it takes its toll. It takes its toll on us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Unfortunately, most of us have the tendency to treat only the physical symptoms of our anxiety. We hurry through the day neglecting the deeper spiritual need for healing of our anxiety. And it's foolish. It's as foolish it is to think that only physical exercise and diet are important to life. We have to remember that we are indeed whole people. We are whole people of body and soul. Exercise and healthful eating and drinking are, of course, extraordinarily helpful, especially hydration, by the way. Proper hydration staves off a boatload of health issues. It's any wonder why the mythical fountain of youth is actually a water fountain. Personally, I think the mythos comes from the well of life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 4, verse 14, which we studied a couple of weeks ago. But just as food and drink are important and helpful pieces, so too is a, a deeper need for healing. And sadly, most of the off-brand American spiritualism is nothing more than sort of repackaged stress relief. This is because the sinful self is bound to the self. And when mankind invents a religion or develops a religion, when mankind develops a religion, the, the essential role of that religion is man. So if man has an issue, man's self-soothing religion is designed to delve deeper into the man. Christianity calls for the exact opposite. Instead of delving deeper into us, we must get outside of ourselves. And once we can get outside of ourselves, 
we can then see God working in our life and we can focus on the bigger picture that includes ourselves as part of God's plan. We can see that God is always there. An ever-present help in time of trouble, says the psalmist. Jesus does not merely offer a peace of mind from the stress of the day. He offers a healing from the diseased soul in freedom. For trapped inside our own flesh, trapped inside our only daily lives, we continue to become anxious. And our vision grows to become increasingly distorted as we delve deeper and deeper and deeper into ourselves. This is the function of the divine service. That we be taken outside of ourselves. That we can see God and where he's placed us in our lives. At the core of our anxiety, I think, is the, is the constant drifting away from God. Under the pressure of modern and daily life, we wander, and sometimes we wander all the way to the very edges of our mental capacities, where we eventually come face to face with the abyss of our unknowns. I call this anxiety. Anxiety is a warning sign that we've drifted too far away. When we reach out to grasp for a secure place to hold on to, we don't find anything to hold on to. And in those desperate moments, it feels like everything depends upon us. And we have nothing to hold on to. And desperation sinks in. And we begin to dig for deeper footholds only to realize that we are indeed losing control or that we have completely lost control. Anxiety and that accompany loss of controls are the highways to substance abuse. As we seek to, to self-medicate, the numbness seals us off from God. The desperation continues to frighten us. We tell ourselves that we either, on one hand, if we just try harder, it's all going to get better. Or if we could just relax just a little more, it's all going to get better. Neither one of those really work. And so we turn more and more to unique techniques of, of medication, even self-medication and lifestyle changes and diets and addictions, anything that we can do to solve the tension. And sometimes it'll get better only to get worse. And we drift farther and farther away from God. More and more, we become more doomed to our own failing resources, which don't seem to work as well as they did a couple of weeks ago. God's responses of this drifting away is to deal with us through the liturgy of public worship. And we begin the liturgy of public worship by calling upon God's password. There's a password to the healing of our anxiety. There's a password into entering into his presence, a password that, that we call the invocation. A password given to us in our baptism, where the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is placed upon us. As we sing early in the worship in the Gloria, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
we use this self-supplied name of God to lift us out of ourselves, to lift us into the healing presence of God once again, where our vision of life is broadened, where the air becomes fresh once again. Here in the presence of God, we find healing for our anxieties and our worries and our fears by God placing his name upon us. And there's no other name known unto man that can unlock the healing. There's no other name like the name that goes beyond all human understanding. There's some other experiences that help us to understand the power of names, like a, a young man in love for the first time, infatuated with an attractive young woman, repeats his name to her a thousand times, looking for her in the hallways. Ladies have been known to doodle the name of their secret crush in their notebooks and then guard those notebooks like there's no tomorrow. A young mother giving birth to her firstborn calls the child by its name for the very first time. It's a, it's a hushed reverence. And life will never be the same. Names have the power to transform us mentally and spiritually. And so too it is with the name of God. It has the power to transform our lives, to pull us out of ourselves, to set us upon the rock of health, to speak the name of God in public worship or in private by applying that name unto us in the liturgy we enter into a deeper reality that existed before the world began as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever as we put that name upon ourselves from the beginning of time, God has chosen to reveal himself unto us on his terms. God is actually doing something in the invocation to the liturgy. He is claiming us as his own. Via the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it takes us back to our baptism. Back to being named by God in the invocation, we call him Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if he is our Father, then we are his holy sons. And if he is the Holy Son of God, then we are his brothers and sisters in Christ. If he is the Holy Spirit, then we are the holy ones with whom and in whom he lives. The name of God is more than a name. It's who he is. It's who we are. It's our return to the healing that God has given us. Each of us, I think, is really easy for us to get caught up in ourselves and in the cares of the world. And in doing so, we lose our objectivity. We lose scope. We need to get out of ourselves in order to find balance again. Healing perspective found in God and in the divine service as we call upon his name, as we apply that name to ourselves as he has taught us to do. And the public worship starts with the invocation. And in the invocation, by God, we get outside of ourselves and we enter into his presence. When I speak my own name, I focus upon myself. When I speak the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I focus upon God.
the divine perspective provides us a place in our weekly living. As Luther teaches us to do, to get up in the morning and make the sign of the cross, make the sign of the cross, say our prayers, go gleefully unto work. In the placing of God's name upon us, we can let go of our anxieties. Find renewal with God. Through word and sacrament, God feeds us with his holy presence and heals us with his name. In God's name we pray. Amen.